between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, so you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Cheesecake Factory, and more. Many of your favorite local restaurants, they're still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. So, right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code ONE. That's O-N-E. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code ONE. Don't forget, that's code ONE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Ultimately, you know, keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. Another episode of 1% Better. Lots of Colts talk to get to today. Uh, we saw some real football, I would say, yesterday, Zach, on Monday. Yeah. The, the closest thing I've seen to real football. Jerseys since the Super and Bowl. everything. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was full jerseys, full practice, full workout at Lucas Oil Stadium. It was great to see. Yeah, so we'll get to that in a second. So we'll recap yesterday's scrimmage, which is what I would call it, uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium with the roof open on a beautiful day. That was fun. Uh, Lots to talk about there. But before we get to that, today we have a special show. We have a guest today joining us. And those of you who appreciate analytics, I think you'll love this guest. So we've got Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders with us. Uh, These are the people behind the Football Outsiders Almanac, which is a great resource if you uh, if you're into data and let's bring Aaron in uh thanks for joining us Aaron uh, how are you and uh tell us a little bit about uh the almanac and some of the projects you're working on over there at uh football outsiders if you don't mind thanks a lot for having me I'm okay all things considered given you know all, all the world we're all living in these days yeah. uh but we did write a book like we do every other preseason so at least that was the same as every year. So yeah, Football Outsiders Almanac 2020 is over 500 pages of previews. Uh, there's a chapter on each team with a whole write-up on what we think the team's going to do in 2020, what they did in 2019, uh, and a bunch of stats. Then there's fantasy football projections and a bunch of write-ups on players at the skill positions for fantasy football players. And then there's a bit of a college section, although... Obviously, part of the college section ended up being an alternate history novel. (laughs) Some of those teams are not going to actually play this year. But uh, we put it all in one really big book. And you can either get it electronically through our site, footballoutsiders.com, or in a printed form on Amazon. Awesome. Uh, Alternate alternate, uh, novels. can be fun, I suppose. So, once upon uh, a time, there was a football team <laughs> called Michigan, and they played a season. <laughs> Imagine that! It's way before your time, kids. So, let's jump into this. So, I think the Colts, and I'm sure you agree, I think the Colts are one of the most interesting teams this year uh, for a number of reasons. Obviously, the quarterback change. They also have some new faces out of their spots, 
Uh, certainly Frank Reich brings a dimension that I think is kind of cool and some of the things that he does. So tell us of all the things that you sort of processed uh, looking back at last year and looking ahead to this year, is there like one particular data point on the Colts or finding that was like most most interesting for you? I don't think anything in particular. And I don't know. It's interesting. I guess, you know, when you're a fan of a team, there's always interesting things to look at with that Mm -hmm. team. I have a feeling the Colts are going to sneak up on people around the league, though. Like, we're going to get to midseason and people are going to go, oh, the Colts are kind of good this year. How did that happen? Like, I don't think it's – they're not – I don't think they're really getting big headlines. Obviously, there's lots of things to concentrate on with the team like like any other team. But I don't think they're – like, nationally, they don't seem to be that big a story. I mean, yes, there is the quarterback change, but – um, you know, they don't have you – know, T.Y. Hilton is not a diva, for example. You know, like he doesn't get guys, people writing about him the way they'll write about like Odell Beckham. Right. They're not, they're not a headline team, you know. Besides maybe Phillip Rivers, they're not a superstar team. But I think covering the team the last six, seven years, I think this is one of the more well-balanced rosters they've put together. Would you agree with that? And, and how have you seen that change? Yeah, I think it's balanced because uh, the defense, adding Buckner to the defense is a big plus. And, I, you know, th- their defense was good uh, two years ago, and then it was below average last year. The defense has been back and forth as defenses are, right? The, you know, if you read Football Outsiders, you know that we talk a lot about this. Offense is more consistent and more easily predictable than defense. And the Colts, I think, are a good example of both – that precept and the precept of the importance of the quarterback to the offense. When you look at their defense over the last five years in our numbers, it's gone from 30 to 12. That's good to 29. That's bad to 10. That's good again to 19, which is bad again, but not that bad. So, I mean, our projection has them going back to good again this year. And the big reason for that is the Buckner. Edition. So tell us how that addition affected specifically affected uh, your projections if you could if you could shed some light on that well i mean for the most part we do sort of top down projections some people do bottom up projections where they look at every position and they kind of grade every player and then they use that to build how good the team's going to be our projections are more top down we tend to look at stats that are sort of general team stats over the last couple of years with the exception of the performance of the quarterback. But we do try to account for personnel changes. And one way we do that on defense is by looking at approximate value from uh, pro football reference. And we use approximate value over replacement level, so over three, because a lot of players get like three or less. Buckner had 15 last year. Hmm. So that's a pretty sweet addition. And I think that that is a good guide to how much talent he has and what he brings to a defense. So when we account for that, that takes their defense from something that would be like, you know, 17th or 18th to something that would be like 10th or 11th. I wanted to ask you about something that's on the site, Aaron. Odds to win Super Bowl 46, I believe it is. Um, And I see the Colts logo in the sixth highest position at 4.3%. And look, I know there's a long way to go and there's the COVID element and there's injuries that will happen and there's a lot of season to be played. But that's ahead of the Dallas Cowboys. That's ahead of the Eagles, ahead of the Niners, who were there last year. That's ahead of the Bucks, and they added Tom Brady. Um, is that sort of kind of what you're feeling and hearing and, and, and all the data is telling you in terms of the trends and, and where this team is going? Or is it just, you know, picking 
teams to, to get to the Super Bowl. So I think that if you were to read the whole Indianapolis chapter, the basic sort of underlying, uh, you know, one to two sentences about this team that we would say is it's a balanced team that's good but not great in every way that's going to play the easiest projected schedule in the league. Yeah, and if you look at the first six or seven or eight games, it's really set up for a hot start. As long as they don't, you know, get in their own way, I feel like you're right about that. And they could be five and two or six and two, and everyone's saying, whoa, are the Colts pretty good? Then they see Baltimore and Houston twice, and I believe they say Green Bay. And I think then it could get a little tougher. Well, we have Houston. I mean, our projections have Houston. They were below average in our numbers last year. They were average if you take out the Week 17 game where they sat everyone against the Titans. But we have them third in the division. So I don't think the Texans are as hard a game as you might think. We have the Packers down, too. So the, the Colts play a lot of teams that we have as worse than they were last year. Okay. We have the Vikings worse than they were last year. We have the Packers worse than they were last year. We have the Ravens worse than they were last year simply because it would be pretty much impossible to be better than they were last year. And Houston, we have Houston down, and uh, even we have Tennessee down a little bit. Now, I wonder, you, you said an interesting thing. You said the Colts are just pretty much good in every area. I would agree. The secondary is a little shaky for me, but this is as complete a roster as Ballard's put together. Does that mean this team is is good enough to get to the second round and then the teams with those really, really big difference makers, a Mahomes, Drew Brees, et cetera, Lamar Jackson. Those are when those guys separate that themselves. And is that sort of the cold ceiling? Well, I mean, it sort of depends on what we see from rivers. Yeah. It was only a couple of years ago that rivers was one of those big difference makers. Like, it hasn't been that long. Yeah, he was in the MVP conversation in, in, in 18, I want to say. It is really hard to project old quarterbacks in the modern NFL because, you know, they're playing so much later than they ever have in the past. So you can't really use past what's happened to quarterbacks in the past as a way to project them. So what you end up with is sort of projecting that they're just kind of going to go until they stop and until they can't do it anymore and fall off a cliff. Which means when guys have a down season like Rivers did last year, you end up projecting them to bounce back a little bit because in general, when quarterbacks have a down season after being really good, they do bounce back a little bit. Now, I don't think we have him bouncing back all the way to where he was, say, two, three, four years ago. But if he does rebound all that way, then the Colts are absolutely in that discussion when you get into the second and third rounds. So... I have a question about something that Frank Reich talks about a lot, and I want your thoughts on this. So he has talked, I I think, at length about wanting to produce a top five rushing offense. And he feels like that is such a key ingredient to their overall offensive success and and really uh, making the postseason and and being a formidable formidable team in the postseason. He sees that as, as being a characteristic of those types of teams. So I think last year they may have fallen just short, if I'm not mistaken. I can't recall. And I guess you could look at it a couple of ways. Are we talking yards? Are we talking uh, per carry? What have you. Point being, what are your thoughts on that, uh, if you have any? Just, I wonder if the data bears that out, if there's if that's just coach speak, or just what do you think? Because I don't think Frank is the type of guy to just sort of talk out of his rear end. He has certainly looked into this and, and has some data to back up his statements, I imagine. No, he's comfortable with analytics from 
Philly, yeah. and he's got analytics. There's analytics people on the staff in Indianapolis. Yes. Um, so I don't know whether it's just coach speak or is he talking about just the fact that having lots of rushing yards, he's not saying it's good in itself. He's saying having lots of rushing yards, you know, indicates that we've won a lot of games because we've been running out the clock in a lot of games. Mm. Or is he really like, we need to be giving the ball to the running backs a lot in the first half. I, I don't think that it's that. Although, I mean, I think the Colts ran a little bit more than I would have expected last year. I would expect Reich to be more of a passer. And they were like in the first half of games, they were 10th in the league in how often they ran. Um, I would have expected well, that. The passing game disappeared in, in the last half of the season, so they didn't really have much option. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of it is – yeah, obviously they uh, didn't – play last year with the quarterback they originally thought they were going to be playing with <laughs> so yeah there was that <laughs> things are a little different this year but um my guess is that reich is clued in enough to analytics that he knows that it's not the running game doesn't win games in general right. it's the passing game that wins games the passing game takes the lead and then the running game salts it away by taking time off the clock but Almost always the pass and the pass defense are more important than the run and the run defense. See, you're telling Colts fans out there who all went out and bought run the damn ball hats because they saw Quentin Nelson wearing it that at the end of the day, it can't be all about the run game. Oh, yeah. It's never. I mean, even with this offensive line and and, and really a two-headed monster back there now. I mean, Jonathan Taylor absolutely looks the part so far in camp. And Marlon Mack is, is not going anywhere, at least for this season. So they have every ingredient for a really, really good run game this year. It's still going to matter if they can move the ball in the air. We love Taylor. Taylor was uh, has the best projection in our backcast running back projection system that we've ever gotten out of any player. <laughs> so I'm not going to go diss it on Jonathan Taylor. Um, but, yeah, I mean, even a real – it is very rare, very, very rare for a team to be so efficient running the ball – that it actually is better than passing the ball. Like even last year's Ravens who were remarkably efficient running the ball in part because they did something that makes the run work a lot better, which is that they included the quarterback in the running game. Yeah. Even they were more efficient passing than they were running the ball. I appreciate Quentin Nelson's hat, but I mean, part of the reason (laughs) for that is I think if you're an offensive lineman, run blocking is more fun. Oh yeah. Like yeah. you want to be run blocking, right? I like take a lot of pride things, in that. One of the things that analytics has to do is figure out how to make teams super pass heavy without um, taking away the sort of confidence of the offensive linemen who want to go out there and just maul people in the running game. Mm. So I understand why Quentin Nelson wants to run the ball a lot, but I wouldn't listen to Quentin to decide how I'm going to call plays. He's not impartial in this conversation. No, he's, he's not. What's the what's the right balance? And I guess there's you know every team's going to have a different balance. I think personally that Frank takes so much of what he got in Philadelphia. So much of the way he calls a game is influenced by Doug Peterson and the way that offense won with Carson Wentz in the regular season and then won with Nick Foles in the playoffs. I just feel like that's that's where he wants to get to is that level of offense. So yeah, I think he, he's still going to try and run the ball quite a bit this year. I mean, I will tell you that based on what analytics believes, I would say most people in the analytics world would say there is no NFL team that passes as much as teams should pass. Probably the only coach that you would think might 
pass as much as as teams should pass is Mike Leach in the college mm. game. The wow. closest that we get in the NFL is probably Andy Reid. Yeah, yeah it, has, it, has it has to be Kansas City. City. Right? It's, it's just passing is more efficient than running. Now, I mean, first of all, you do need to run the ball some because otherwise the other team's going to throw seven defensive backs on the field on every play, right? Like you need, you need to have a little bit of balance and um, you need to be able to run in certain situations like to run at the clock and in short yardage teams honestly pass too often on like third and two and third and one, and they should be running more often in those situations. But for the most part, the pass is more efficient than the run and teams need to be passing the ball more and running the ball less. So, uh, one thing that I'm curious about, it's the strength of this team, offensive line, right? Do, do you have anything that sticks out to you that, that gives you a good indicator of of maybe the type of group they have? I mean, we, we know they're very good. Um, is there some data that, that gives you some good indication of, of where they sit uh, relative to their pairs? It's, it's difficult. Um, they were fairly low in – like blown blocks, our partners at Sports Info Solutions track blown blocks, and mm. they were fairly low except for Braden Smith, who had a year with a lot of blown blocks. Um, they, you know, had a lot of continuity. That's a positive. We have a stat called adjusted line yards that tries to separate the back from the offensive line in run blocking. They were like 12th in that. But, you know, for example, pressure rate, they were 29th in allowing pressure. But some of that is the quarterback, right? The problem with yes. sack rate and pressure rate is that sacks and pressures are partially quarterback stats. Mm-hmm. And so Absolutely. I don't think that's necessarily – that 29th ranking is necessarily a judgment on the offensive line. Well, Jacoby Brissett was definitely a slow decision maker. That was no doubt true. And, and he's got a slow release. Them. Yeah, I mean, absolutely that played into it. And I think Rivers is going to change that very, very quickly. We've seen this, Stephen, at camp. I mean, we talked about how decisive he is with the football, how quick he gets the ball out. That's going to change quickly, and I think that changes the whole, the whole system. Yeah, char- char- with the Chargers last year, Rivers was like fifth in the league in the shortest time to throw, so he got the ball out much faster. So maybe to uh, put a point on this um, before we close the book on on the Colts for 2020 and got them all figured out. Uh, <laughs> just what, uh, what, what are you looking for from this team? Like what, what, what intrigues you the most about this team? Uh, we, we've already established they have a chance to be very good or be pretty good. Um, just as a, as a fan, as an observer of football, what, what it really intrigues you about this team this year? I mean, Rivers is because Rivers is, um, is he's a story because he's always going to be wrapped up with Manning and Roethlisberger. You're always going to look at those three mm-hmm. players together. Rivers is the one who doesn't have a ring, but Rivers is the one who's been the best in the regular season. Really? Yeah, of oh, those three yeah, guys. It yeah, doesn't well, surprise I mean, me between slightly better than Roethlisberger and Eli, ridiculously better than Eli in the regular season. <laughs> right. Um, and, and you do want to say, like, can he bounce back from last year's down year? And how down was last year's down year? Like, we, he was still above average by our numbers. Um, right. And then, you know, what, what comes out for him, like, you know, does Pittman uh, come out as the, as the, you know, emerge as the number two receiver? Uh, I think he does. You know, I think he I does think, by, like, week five. 
what happens to the pass. So what happens to the passing game, right, is that there's more than just Hilton there. Is That's sort of interesting to watch, definitely. And then, you know, listen, they're linebackers. Darius Leonard, I don't know, he, he seems to have one of those chips on his shoulder like Rodney Harrison where he feels oh, like he's, he's always being underrated, yes. even though everybody rates him so highly. But, you know, I mean, that's a fun player to watch. Yeah, they I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. They're a fun team. Uh, it, camp has been fun. And they're going to have lots of storylines, and I think they're going to win some games. So um, we'll be watching to see if the projections play out. Nice information there, and I think uh, something really for our listeners to, to kind of dig, dig into. into. So yeah. they're definitely best, our favorite in the division. Sixth best odds to win the whole thing. Boy, that's going to get Colts fans uh, very, very optimistic heading into Week One. That'd be fun. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for your time. Uh, if, if you haven't checked out Football Outsiders, by the way, guys, uh, they do a great job. And I am a frequent visitor to their site because <laughs> I need the help sometimes to figure out <laughs> what the numbers mean. So uh, they do a good job over there of helping you sort through it um, you know, for your own curiosity, your fantasy, or otherwise. You know. Why we have those other teams. Why is San Francisco below Indianapolis? You'll have to... Yeah. Read the book, Football Outsiders Almanac 2020. It's available at footballoutsiders.com and at Amazon. And I also want to point out that we're giving a portion of this year's proceeds to the United Way's COVID-19 Recovery and Relief Fund. So a purchase of Football Outsiders Almanac is also a little bit of a charitable donation as well as supporting our work at Football Outsiders. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Hey, keep up the good work, Aaron. Thanks for joining us, and uh, stay safe out there. We appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me on, and uh, maybe we'll talk later in the season, and it will be proven that I ha- that I was kind of actually close to right. Which <laughs> I, mean, we, we fans. I think. Thank you, Aaron. Awesome. Hey, before we move on, I'm here to tell you you have 100 million reasons why you should listen up. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports is celebrating the return of sports by giving away up to $100 million in prizes to all of their customers, including one lucky winner who will take home a $1 million cash prize. To claim your share of up to $100 million in instant giveaways, all you have to do is this. Download the sports app and sign up using the promo code FAST, F-A-S-T, then enter DraftKings free football survivor pool. Yes, it's really that easy to claim your share of up to 100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running to win a $1 million cash prize. While the top prize is reserved for one lucky winner, everyone who signs up and enters DraftKings free football survivor pool will receive an instant bonus prize of at least $5 in value upon entering. While you're in the app, don't forget to check out all the great odds, boosts, and promotions DraftKings Sportsbook is offering every day to celebrate this week's basketball and golf action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code FAST to claim your share of $100 million in instant giveaways and put yourself in the running for the $1 million cash top prize. That's promo code FAST, F-A-S-T, to get your share of $100 million in prizes. Only at DraftKings. And a quick word about Fubo TV. Some new offerings you may not know about. There's the family plan. You will have three people watch all at one time, three different screens. Then you've got 30 hours of DVR available to you. That's That comes in handy. Local broadcasts. Uh, also, NBC Sports available now on the national feed. So, with the NFL season around the corner, Fubo TV will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. So go to FuboTV.com slash athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's Fubo 
twitch.tv.com slash athletic. Start your first month today. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. Due to quarantine, it's very possible that you might have Zeke's haircut in your pants. That's why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure you don't gamble on shaving the same way you like to gamble on football. When it comes to men's hygiene, Manscaped is as good and safe as Christian McCaffrey in a PPR league. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and has an LED light on it. You could call it a game changer. They just released the Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. They have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. For a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Breeze. You can also get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20, THEATHLETIC20, at manscaped.com. Time to boost your hygiene with the absolute besties in Manscaped. Well, that was great stuff. Uh, Aaron Schatz, I tell you, is um, Football Outsiders does a good job. And some interesting stuff there, I tell you. I, I, th- yeah. I think that the... The Super Bowl odds certainly interesting. I think the, the I've heard this before as well. The emphasis that on the fact that teams do not pass enough, which is kind of hilarious, right? In today's day and age, right? Where we right. see, you know, I think Frank would get a kick out of that. Games. To be honest, I know, I know, and and he's right though. Like like Frank Reich and his staff very attuned to the analytics. We've written about this in the past. Uh, he got that from the Philadelphia organization, really, which is right. fully he, embraced analytics. So and they I'm interested on their way that, to a Super Bowl. They did. I, I'm interested I'm interested in, in knowing what Frank would say to that about you know what? teams not passing enough. That would be interesting. In a perfect world, you sit down with Frank and the two analytics guys on Friday before the game and you just listen to everything they talk about. You know, sure. and Frank has explained this and oh, maybe I'll pitch the idea and see what he says. And <laughs> Frank has explained this. And, you know, you guys remember the fourth and four against Houston in 18. And uh, he was on his 31, 32 yard line and they went for it. And Andrew Luck threw a bad pass. Chester Rogers didn't catch it. And Houston ended up beating him. But Frank said, look, 10 times out of 10, I go for it. The analytics say to go for it. It starts in those meetings on Fridays. And I find that so yeah. fascinating they go through all these different scenarios and they get ready. Um, and then when it actually happens, they've already planned out. Here's the talking points and here's the situation and here's the correct move based on the percentages. And so they have two analytics guys on staff, George Lee and John Park, full time. And they meet with Frank every Friday. Would love to listen to those conversations and see everything that goes into it. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. So, uh, but before we get to the analytics and the decision-making on Sundays, you got to figure out who you are as a team and what you're doing and where you're going and who's going to be on your football team. So that is where we're at now. We are in the middle of training camp and we want to circle back to what we talked about at the opening of the show, which was Monday's uh, practice or scrimmage really uh, at yeah. Lucas Oil Stadium. That was, I thought, very revealing for a couple of reasons, Zach. We, we got to see them in game-like conditions, number one. And number two, we got a better viewpoint because COVID has kind of uh, sort of had us to re- we've had to resort to a different vantage point in practice and, and that hasn't is been good great for us right. right Monday we were up in the press box overhead we could see a lot more and I thought it was more it was very revealing uh, give me a couple takeaways for you like that really stood out if you don't mind yeah so 
They're throwing the ball to running backs a lot. And I don't know if it's just Frank not really opening up his playbook, which in past preseasons has been the case. He's kind of dumbed it down, and I get why. Um, but look, I just I just feel like Naheem Hines is going to get his name called a lot this year. I don't think he's going to get a ton of carries, but I think he's going to get the ball thrown to him. Phillip Rivers loves throwing to his running backs. This is something they've talked about. Now we're seeing it. Naheem Hines was active yesterday, and he's been active in camp, and you just see him all over the field. Um, I've, I feel like they're just going to involve him in a bunch of different ways. Um, Taekwon Lewis continues to stack good days. Look, it's August, and he hasn't done it in regular season yet. But even Frank said, look, he just has good day after good day. There is a new Taekwon Lewis. He is bringing it. Um, I think the sense of urgency hit him, and I think he very much came to the realization that if he didn't bring it, he would be cut, and he would not be in Indianapolis cold anymore, even though he was a second-round pick a couple of years ago. So Naheem Hines being very active with the offense has jumped out to me, not just yesterday, but throughout camp. Taekwon Lewis made another big play yesterday. He's been very solid on that defensive line, the interior. Um, and I just don't know yet about Phillip Rivers. Um, we've seen a lot of short passes. He missed some long ones yesterday. He hit a couple long ones, had a nice one to T.Y. in the end zone. I just am going to wait and see when it comes to Phillip Rivers. I think he's going to be pretty accurate. I think he's going to throw the ball quickly. Um, but I'm just still waiting to see him really wow me. I have not seen it in training camp yet. I would agree with that latter point. I, I don't feel as though I've been floored by what I've seen from Phillip Rivers. But I would, I think just as important a point to make is the fact that he has been extremely efficient. He has moved the football and the offense is very functional. And I think that's a good thing. Those are all good things. Uh, the other thing I would say is that the, the what you mentioned about Naheem Hines, what's, uh, what's also interesting is it's not just Naheem Hines. I think yeah. they're getting the ball via the pass to Marlon Mack to Jonathan Taylor, and that's something we've never seen. I think Marlon Mack last season, if I'm not mistaken, caught 15 passes for the entirety of the season. And that's it? 14 All games. year? He's caught He's caught more in camp than I've ever seen Easily. him catch. Yeah. Uh, that was a career low for him, but his career high was only like 21, to be honest. So I think it's interesting. I, I just think that it's not that he can't catch. They've never asked him to catch the ball. No, <laughs> so never have. It'll be interesting. I mean, like if he's out there on first down and you have to worry about Marlon Mack catching the football, does that change things all of a sudden? I don't know. I, he's I a good receiver you. too. Some res yeah. some running backs are not good in that situation. He's got good yeah. hands. And oh, by the way, he's still a really good running back as well. I mean, he had the yes. play of the day yesterday. He busted open a run for 53 yards. And he backed it up on the next play for another first down run. And you kind of oh, forget. Oh, by the way, like, that was during a live session. So they were really tackling and blocking at that point. So that was not just sort of your typical practice run. That was, and there was, that yeah, was the real deal. There was plenty of those. But this was this was a real, a real impressive play. And, and you forget, he's not just fast. He's smooth. He's got great vision. And behind that offensive line, which will pave some pretty big holes, this guy can take advantage, so I wouldn't sleep on this guy just because Jonathan Taylor's there, and Taylor's going to get some snaps for sure, but Marlon Mack is, is, is a very good NFL running back. It's going to be a healthy competition, frankly, and they will maybe just go with the hot hand, and if it's Marlon Mack, then damn it, it's Marlon Mack, and they don't care. I don't think Frank Wright cares who leads them in rushing. No, I don't think Nor he should he. And I don't think... I don't think it's going to be a bad thing. I think it's going to be yeah. a good thing. And I think Marlon Mack's going to wear down the defense, and then Taylor 
can step in and take advantage third quarter, fourth quarter, and I think vice versa. And this is something that they said very early on. As soon as they drafted Jonathan Taylor, they said, look, Jonathan Taylor is going to make Marlon Mack better. And it was maybe hard to see that from the start. But I, he's going to be fresh late in games. And, and that's, that's going to be a good thing for Marlon Mack. Maybe not just this year, but moving down the line if he, if he continues to play in Indy. I think the one thing we haven't seen in camp and, and probably won't see because it doesn't lend itself to this, but I'll say this. Frank Reich is going to be, I think, a substantially better play caller this year. And not just because Phillip Rivers is here and so it gives you sort of a you know an upgrade at quarterback. It's not just that. It's also the other additions, right? So they now have, I think, a full stock. They're fully stocked, I should say, at wide receiver, it looks like. If they stay healthy, I know what happened last year, but that I, I got to believe that's before, a once-in-a-lifetime right, sort of deal, right? right? I can't but, imagine Paris Campbell's going to have four injuries this year. Are you going to have three your top three receivers down at one time? I mean, is that really possible right. to happen two right. years in a row? So let's give, them, let's give them that assumption that they are more fully stocked at wide receiver. They have added an incredible talent at running back. You heard what Aaron Schatz just said about – <laughs> about Jason, uh, excuse me, Jonathan Taylor, right. one of the best rookies they've ever evaluated. So I think when you give him those kinds of options and then a smart quarterback who makes incredible decisions, honestly, right. who has made really efficient decisions and hasn't hesitated to throw that ball to the running back if it, if downfield throw isn't there. I think all of that combined is going to give Frank Reich the upper hand and he gets on his chessboard and Tell you what, there are going to be some defensive coordinators in trouble, I think. So that is something that doesn't show up in training camp, but I think we can tell that will be the case just by what's available to him. So I'm interested to see how that goes. I, I think he's got all kinds of possibilities this year with lineups, with play calling, and just the whole nine. That's going to be interesting for me. It's it's a really well-balanced offense. And, and the one group we haven't talked about much is the tight ends, but I do not want to discount Trey Burton. Because this is a guy yes. that's gotten a lot of run with the ones. He's caught balls. If he's healthy, if he's fully healthy, and if he stays healthy, he could be a big piece of this offense. We're not talking 14 touchdowns like Eric Ebron and 18, but you've got steady Jack Doyle, and you love that. And you've got a mismatch guy in Trey Burton with a lot of speed and good hands. And we've talked, and you've written about this, Frank Reich loves the tight end, and Phillip Rivers loves the tight end. And so – a guy that you could see catch a lot of balls this year that you might not be thinking about right now is 80, is Trey Burton. So he's really been solid so far. He's had some days off with, with maintenance because he's coming back from the injury, but um, you got to like what you've seen from Trey Burton right now and do not discount the, the tight end position because they're loaded at running back. If the receivers can stay healthy, they're, they're as deep as they've been in five, six years. The tight ends are no slouch either. And we've seen some really, really nice work from Moelle Cox the last couple of days. Some big blocks. He knocked the dude over yesterday, and he had a highlight catch on Sunday to cap practice. So, you know, Frank Reich was just absolutely gushing when he was talking about Marlon, uh, Moelle Cox the other day and just what he does and, and how good of a blocker he is and how good of a pass catcher he's become. So, like you said, I mean, this is an offense with a lot of options with a quarterback that's not going to be afraid to spread the wealth around. Um, I'm ready to see him play someone else, to be honest. Yeah, uh, three weeks to go, but we're getting there. Uh, <laughs> I will say, to double down on what you just said, I did not uh, have in the pool of options for 2020, I didn't have 
Trey Burton having a huge year as a possibility. <laughs> but I've got to tell you, it is a possibility. I, I think that Frank Reich has talked more about Trey Burton in the last two weeks than any other tight end. There's no question about it. And there's and he's caught a lot of balls. And he's a active. Ton. And and you look up and you're like, oh, 80 with another catch. 80 with another yeah. catch. 80 it's with another accidental. catch. You've right. got, a, you've got a quarterback that loves the tight end and a coach who loves the tight end. So right. tight ends, it's your lucky day. That's uh, not going to change. right? They threw, by the way, I know I shouldn't say this because we're supposed to be vague and not give away secrets, but it's the podcast, so you guys are lucky. Uh, I saw a tight end screen yesterday. Okay, That's what we're talking about. That's how far they're taking this thing. Okay, Yeah. So <laughs> just telling you, like they're, they're legit serious about the tight end. Uh, let's talk about defense a little bit uh i talked to somebody inside the organization or i had a text exchange with someone inside the organization a uh, little bit of a debrief right like after the scrimmage what'd you like what'd you see yeah the first thing the first response i got was did you see buckner on the very first play against quentin nelson <laughs> and, and it to be honest it was a sight to behold uh i know the, the point fans is, are salivating at that matchup and just to see 99 on sundays yeah he he really is a game changer um I, I just think that defensively, that uh, that defensive line is going to have to to lead the charge. We haven't seen it in its fullness yet, right? Because Kamoka Ture is not out there. I think yeah. he's getting close. I yeah, think. he needs to get back though. He's running out of time. Yeah, so that is that is an issue. And also Buckner's been limited too because he's got a little hand issue, and they have been kind of kind of bubble wrapping him as you might expect, right? But yeah. I think we're starting to see shades of what it can be. And if they can get Taekwon Lewis going, and he is rolling right now, if that can carry over to the regular season, they really have something. We haven't even talked about Danica Watry, who's who's available to them to do a number of things, you know, depending on what they need. So uh, what's been your impression of the defense overall so far? I I, I don't know. I think, I think it's an incomplete right now in yeah. my grade. But, but what do you think? Yeah, a couple things. Um, the linebackers really popped yesterday, and, and mm-hmm. Darius is Darius, and I don't need to tell you guys that he just flashes every time you watch him play football, but Anthony Walker made a lot of plays, and, and they weren't tackling for a lot of these periods, so he would just kind of wrap guys up. At 54, that's his new number, he was there. Um, don't sleep on Anthony Walker. He's the guy that's probably not get, going to get as many headlines as the other two linebackers. He's Darius the Marlon Mack Oker. of the defense. Yeah, like, Don't but, forget about me. Dude, he's, he's a good player, and there's a reason he's been a starter for two years. And and this is a contract year for Anthony Walker. He's a very well-respected member of that defense. So, um, And this is something we talked about yesterday, and it's it's really hard to get a judgment so far on Xavier Rhodes. Now, he, he, had some, he had some good coverage yesterday, but this is a guy that's going to start at outside corner for them, and we just don't know what he's got right now because he hasn't been in a lot of plays. Now, maybe it's because the quarterbacks aren't throwing his way. Rivers did not try any really risky throws yesterday, especially down the sideline. It was mostly short or down the middle. Um, I just haven't seen a lot from from Xavier Rose, and that's not to say he hasn't been playing great, but it's just to say that we haven't got a real feel for him yet. So um, I will add, though, that I thought Kari Willis looked really good yesterday, and, and he was playing fast, and he was coming down, and he was being physical. And, and that's a guy that's going to take a big step up. I just believe that. He was dealing with a lot off the field last year. If you know uh, what I'm talking about, you read the story that I wrote in, in, in May. Um, I think that's a guy that, that really makes the secondary better this year in, in, is, is Kari Willis. But Xavier Rhodes, I just don't have a feeling yet on him. Yeah, I, I think what I'd say about Rhodes and, for that matter, Rocky Asin, I think that Philip Rivers – 
I mean, we're talking about you know the first team offense really against the first team defense is is really the the real indicator here. Those matchups, I think in in those matchups, he really hasn't thrown the ball to the outside as much. It has been a lot of intermediate stuff in the middle of the field or to the running backs. I don't know if that's because of the coverage. I'm not sure. It's hard to say without actually watching the tape of practice. But but that has been my observation as well. So so my my sense on the corners is I'm not I don't have any criticism to offer. I just I don't have much to offer. I'm like you. But I but I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I think that they are doing the job at the moment. The question is gonna be, you know, when they get faced with a sort of a yeah. higher octane or, or a high octane passing attack and, and big outside receivers, how do they handle those guys? And that, you know, that's TBD. We will see. And but, remember last year, you got to get Rock pressure too. A, yeah, I mean, Rock had a great training camp last year. Everybody he wrote did. about it, and he struggled in the regular season. And that's how it is for that position. It's unforgiving. Um, so you know, we'll see. But I don't have a good feel on the corners just yet. Malik Hooker has made some plays in camp, and and has also missed some yesterday. But um, I think you're right. I think you can't really get into the secondary and, and how they're going to really look on Sundays until you see what guys like Buckner is going to do up front because he's going to change everything. One good thing on Malik Hooker, I'll just interject, is uh, he has been healthy this camp, and that is a, that's mm-hmm. a big development with him because that's never the case with him. So whether that carries over to the regular season, I am not about to promise you that <laughs> at all. But you know his injury history is what it is, but he has been very much present every day and playing fast too. He looks... Looks like he's healthy, and, and I mm-hmm. think there's a there's an effect in, on your play as a result of that. So I, I thought yesterday, look, he, he probably had a chance at an interception on the uh, the overthrow that Rivers had at that one time, but uh, for whatever reason, I don't know if he didn't see the ball and maybe playing the man. But the point is, uh, I thought he was, I thought he did the job. He was where he needed to be, and he looks yeah. like he's in position, uh, ready to defend. So so I think overall, pretty good news. On, on most of the secondary, certainly not bad news, right? It's it's mixed, but not bad news. So so we'll see. I think the defense, you heard Aaron Schatz talk about this. I think the defense in their projections at Football Outsiders is that it will be better, uh, if not a great defense. But I don't think they have to be great. I think, as he said, uh, better might be good enough. So, so we'll see. I, you um, know, I I, I, thought, I liked the defense until about late November last year. They really hit a yeah. good stride when they got Kenny back. Remember that game in Kansas City? They played great. They really didn't let Mahomes go crazy. And Darius came back from the concussion. And I was like, this defense is really doing it. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's Ben, don't break. They're going to give you yards. They're not going to give you a lot of points. And then it just collapsed when we got to December. And Kenny Moore was out and they – got destroyed in, in New Orleans and Tampa and Jacksonville. And it just, they just, they were lost and the season was over. Um, I think if they can, I think Eberflus's system can work. They just need to have the right pieces in there. And it will be a challenge to sustain that over the course of the year. But I think you're right. I think the defense just needs to be, you know, 12th, 10th in the league. And, and they'll be just fine. Yeah. yeah, it's it's also a deeper defense this year, which I think will guard against somewhat guard against what happened late last season, which I think had to do somewhat with health. There's always that factor, right? The breakdowns we saw late. I think they are better constructed this year 
uh, there have been additions like certainly like Buckner, which we talk about. But I think there's other guys like Sheldon Day hasn't been out there, right? He's been hurt. Yeah. But Sheldon yeah. Day is a guy, for example, who we haven't even considered. You know, he'll get thrown into the mix at some point. Uh, they didn't have Ture certainly after Week Five last year. That should certainly make a difference uh, when he gets back to, to full health. Uh, I think guys like Tavon Wilson, who has come on the scene and made a few plays already within a week of joining the team, uh, he's going to make a difference. Uh, you know, there's there's depth like TJ Carey, not a yeah. household name, but if they have an injury, for example, to Kenny Moore, right, as they do right now, and Kenny's been out for a little bit, uh, TJ Carey can were- step in there. Yeah, those were purposeful moves. They, they knew what happened when they lost Kenny Moore last year in December, and they didn't really have a guy that could step in. And yes. they said, we do not want to be in that position again. And they went out and signed some cornerback depth, not just for that position, but if Xavier Rhodes goes down. You know, they signed guys specifically in case the corners go down because what rece- what positions get hurt? It seems like more than any others. The receivers and the cornerbacks, that's just what happens. Um, right. So they don't want to be in that position again. So just as we wind down, I want to just touch on the rookies. And I think I'm going to hit on this in a story later this week, just kind of update you on how the rookies are doing. We always talk about the top picks, and you've heard a lot about Jonathan Taylor. He's all the rage right now, right? Uh, Michael Pittman, a little (laughs) less so, but I think he is – I think he's got a lot to learn, and it's coming, but but he's a smart player. He's played a lot of football at a high level. He's going to be fine. He's had some drops lately. He had a couple day with with a couple of disappointing drops, but I I don't worry about that kid. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, beyond them, though, it's an interesting rookie class because first of all, your third round pick is still on the sideline. Justin I haven't seen Blackman. him at all. Right, or excuse me, Julian Blackman. Uh, there was a Justin Blackman somewhere else, yeah, right? So, Another, somewhere. <laughs> but uh, Julian Blackman, we won't see him for a while. Won't hear from him for for quite some time probably until well into the regular season. Then you've got Danny Pinter, the fifth-round pick. Look, he's he's a depth player right now. He's got to learn. He's got to grow. And they're not really counting on him to, to be an instant contributor. By then, you're on to the sixth – excuse me, you're on to the – well, I skipped a fourth-rounder, but that's that's the quarterback, Jacob Eason, who's barely getting any reps, right? So there's yeah, not a lot to judge from there. Yeah, but we saw a couple nice throws from him yesterday. He's barely getting I, any reps. But, yeah, but I thought yesterday was a big step for him because he, he showed what he big. could do. He threw yes. that football and he threw it hard and fast and it was on the money. I, I wrote this in my story today, but one thing that I saw from Jacob Eason that really put my mind at ease is throwing the out pass, right? That that deep out is such a right. hard throw for a lot one of, of the quarterbacks. the toughest throws in football, right. You're throwing it over across the width of the field, the wide side of the field. It's, it's a pass that gets picked off a lot because – defensive backs get a jump on it and the ball's in the air for a long time well look granted this was against the second and third defense but Jacob Eason threw that ball with confidence and the ball got there with zip and I think I made a huge mental note of that because I said okay I know a lot of guys who can't throw that ball like that so I give him credit and he also kind of looked at ease and looked like he was in control and I think it didn't look like a fire drill out there. He he looked he like had, he'd done that before. He, he had, had to show something. And, and look, he's yeah. limited reps. That's what happens when you're a rookie and you're fighting for the third string spot. But he had to show something to get that third spot through, right, 53-man roster cuts, right? I mean, yes. Chad Kelly hasn't had a great camp either. That's for sure. But, you know, Easton needs to prove that there's something there, even if he's only going to get a couple reps. 
Yeah. So anyhow, but beyond that, it's it's like I said, it's going to be an inter- interesting rookie class. It's not going to be the type of rookie class you've seen here the past couple of years, which has been where three and four and five guys are playing huge uh, snaps for this team, uh, huge snap counts for this team, and having a big role in some cases starting. You're going to have those two guys, as I said at the top, uh, Pittman and Taylor, playing big roles, potentially starting. Beyond that, you may not hear much from this rookie class, but I think that's a good thing. That tells you it's hard to crack this lineup. Yeah, It's a lot harder than it used to be. And yeah, you're not going to have way. rookies step in from day one and start like you did – I think in 18, they had five rookie starters. Now, you know, Darius Leonard was one of them, and Quentin Nelson was one of them, and those guys were studs, but Sky Moore started in his first game. And, you know, like that's what we were talking about. So, you know, that's something Ballard looks at his depth chart a lot and, and thinks about is how hard is it to make this team? And that's what you want. And, and for those guys to make the team, for Jacob Easton to come in and start to play, it's going to take a lot of work, and, and that's what you want. Uh, one quick plug for uh, Desmond. Desmond Patton, by the way, who I, I don't know that he's going to make the team six-rounder from Washington State, but I like this kid. He's huge. He's made some plays. He's every bit of 6'5". He's uh, huge. Look, he, yeah. he, can, he can run fast enough. He's not very fast, but he, but at that size, they're not drafting you for your speed. He is a guy that I, he looks like he can be developed. So uh, I wish we had preseason this year to some extent because he's the type of guy we would learn a lot about. So, you know, it is what it is. But but keep an eye out for, for Desmond Patman. I think at minimum he's on the practice squad, if not the uh, active roster, depending on how all that plays out and how many receivers. Yeah, and, and there's, look, it's 16 people now on the practice squad, and you can yeah. you can keep some guys. So there's, there's a little bit more leniency in terms of who you can keep. So I definitely think they're going to want to keep that guy around. Yeah, he's, he's going to be here, I think. So anyhow, beyond that, uh, I'd say Isaiah Rogers still out. Uh, got a couple of the rookies just trying to find their way beyond that. So, you know, again, it's not going to be a rookie class where they become household names right away. Again, not a bad thing. So I hope that gives you a little bit of a sense of what's going on out there. We got, a, what, um, you know, a few more practices to go before they uh, start limiting our access, <laughs> which will come soon enough. But um We'll, we'll get in what we can while we're able to, to, to see the entirety of these practices, and especially given that they're not open to the public this year. So we'll be your eyes and ears. So thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, you know what to do. Uh, now's the time to do it. Uh, the sports calendar's packed. <laughs> I can't even keep up with like – I've, I've there's been like six or seven NBA games I just forgot to watch because there's just too many. Um, baseball. It's great. It's a great problem hockey. to have. Yeah, I mean golf. So it, it's it's really an awesome time. It's terrible circumstances, but really an awesome time in the sports world right now. So you don't want to miss it. We're covering it all at the Athletic. Uh, Zach and I got plenty of stuff in the hopper here for the coming weeks. So we're really really excited about it and don't want you to miss. So again, I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Keeper. Thank you again for listening, and this is One Percent Better.